Enneagram is having you discuss like what motivates you, what are you afraid of, what are your inner drivers, and then how does that look um, in terms of coping mechanisms and things that kind of cloud us and keep us from our truest essence. Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, your place for all things health, wellness, self-care, and real talk. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, health coach, actor, and badass extraordinaire. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought with some serious real talk to help you find your passion, speak your truth, and get you one step closer to living your fuck yes life. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, 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 you guys. Welcome to episode 48 of the Living Your Fuck Yes Life podcast. <laughs> I hope you guys are having an awesome week and you guys, oh my goodness, I'm so freaking, freaking excited for this episode. Um, it's been one that has been brewing in my heart for a long time and one that has been probably the most request thing, requested, can't speak, thing um, from you guys since, I don't know, like the last six months in our um, Facebook group and community. So I know you guys are so excited for this episode to drop. I am so excited for this episode to drop. And we are diving into all things Enneagram today. Um, but before I get to introducing Sarah Jane, um, I want to take a quick moment to share a really special announcement. Um, so as you probably know, if you've been following um, my Instagram stories and just listening to my email list and all that stuff, um, I started a company last year called Empowered and Free, and we run wellness events in the Chicago area and also retreats. We had our first retreat in the fall of 2018 and it was such a magical weekend. I still feel like I am processing from it all. And we are hosting another one, which is coming up April 5th through 7th. Um, it is about an hour and 15 outside of Chicago. Um, and it is a much smaller, more intimate experience. And I could not be more stoked. It is all things wellness. Um, and we only have a few spots left. So I wanted to share with you guys in case you hadn't seen, um, because I would love to meet some of you guys in real life. It is all things yoga, all things wellness. Um, we are going to be deep diving into some really incredible topics um, and workshops, as well as just like really giving you the space to recharge. Everything is included. And uh, we have the most gorgeous lake house on the freaking planet. And I can't wait to just spend the most incredible weekend um, in sisterhood and in um, just so much love and light and surrounded by other women who are seriously incredible. So if you are interested, um, all of the link is, I'll put the link in the show notes, um, but it's just empoweredandfreemovement.com forward slash retreats. Um, and again, um, you can snag your spot on there. Uh, we have a payment plan and spots are limited. So um, hopefully by the time you're hearing this, uh, there's still spots left. So I'm super excited for that. And now I'm just going to go straight into the fucking Enneagram shit because you guys, oh, this is so amazing. I connected with Sarah Jane Case. So if you don't know who she is, she runs the on um, the Instagram account Enneagram and Coffee. And it is like two parts really, really um, educational from an Enneagram standpoint and two parts like meme and hilarious. Um, and her energy and everything that she is as a human is so incredible. And I'm just so excited to share this conversation with you guys. So a little bit about Sarah Jane Case. Um, she is a writer, a coach and a speaker based in Asheville, North Carolina. 
She originally started as creating this um, incredible community called the Brave Collective, and it's a membership community for people who want to create the life of their dreams from right where they are. And um, she founded also uh, another podcast called The Brave Radio, and as well, she just recently started the Enneagram and Coffee podcast, if you want to hear more about all things Enneagram over there. Um, but if you are not aware of what the Enneagram is, get stoked because this is about to change your life. And if you do know all about the Enneagram, we dish out some really amazing listener questions from our Facebook community. Um, we talk all about using the Enneagram as a tool for self-awareness and how to navigate it even within your partners um, or your relationships, bringing it into your work. Um, we talk about the Enneagram in business. Um, so if you're an entrepreneur, we talk about that at the end. Um, we also talk about how our types impact how we show up in the world and how we're perceived, um, as well as so many other things. So gear up for this incredible conversation and let's do the damn thing. Hey, Sarah Jane, welcome to the podcast. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my goodness. I have like been itching to have you on and talk about all things Enneagram because I have literally been in like the Enneagram rabbit hole for the past couple of months and it has totally, totally taken over. I've made like everybody and their mother and my mother <laughs> take the test <laughs> um, because I just like I'm such a nerd out for personality tests um, but this one in particular has really really resonated with me on a level that nothing else has before and we can talk about this later but there was a time like four years ago where I took the Enneagram test and I was like this is not right and it's because <laughs> it was not my type and so yeah. I had no I was like this is clearly not a thing for me like I don't resonate with this at all so I'm just so pumped to have you here and to dive into all things Enneagram so I can nerd out. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited too. And I think you nailed that. Like I think so many people, when you're not excited about the Enneagram, it really is because you haven't really found your type or you like took the test and it told you what type it thought like you were yeah. and it wasn't accurate. And then you just quit. And I think once you know your type, you kind of become an evangelist. Well, I think what was so interesting is I took, I took the test the first time probably four years ago. Yeah. It was four years ago. And it was before I started my business, before I did any self-development work and had, had an idea, I would say, quote unquote, of who I was, but I had never done the inner work to actually ask really specific questions and get clearer on that and kind of remove all of society and other people's perceptions of what I thought I was. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was living from this, this place that I thought was really authentic because it's all I knew at the time. But I'm like four years now and I've like done so much inner work, right? And and so I feel like I know myself so well. Mm -hmm. And so now taking the test, it was like, la duh, that this is my answer. <laughs> um, and, you know, like reading about it in the books that I've been reading, I'm like, this makes so much fucking sense. And there's no way I was this type before, right? And it's like, okay. it's always been a part of me, but I wasn't able to get clear on what the answer was because I wasn't answering the questions authentically to myself, which was so yeah. fascinating. Yeah. I think that is it. I think it's like the, a lot of times when I get people asking me or saying like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't resonate with it. I think it's because like a, an unwillingness to deal with like our darker sides of ourselves and like, mm. um, like that tendency to want to see ourselves as we would like to be rather than like, excuse me, rather than like what we are. Yeah. <laughs> Mid sneeze. Yeah, that's so real. That's so, so, so. Okay, so for anyone who's listening who's like, okay, Amanda, what the fuck is the Enneagram? Like, you lost me, like, when you first started talking. Can you just lay out for everyone what the Enneagram actually is? And I would also love to hear, like, how you got into learning about it on your end and, like, what your story is attached to that, too. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Enneagram is essentially, it's like, it's a personality typing tool, but it's a lot more ancient, a lot more in depth, a lot more livable and breathable. So um, you can compare it to Myers-Briggs, except for Myers-Briggs is really um, categorizing your personality, whereas Enneagram is having you discuss like what motivates you, what are you afraid of, what are your inner drivers, and then how does that look um, in terms of coping mechanisms and things that kind of cloud us and keep us from our truest essence. So that's the Enneagram in like the nutshell or in a nutshell, but um, it's you get nine there's nine basic types and each type shows up in different ways, different motivations, different fears. And then that is movable. So you move in different numbers and times of stress and in times of rest. And then you pull in numbers beside you to kind of complement and um, round out your personality a little bit. So all of that to say, it's different from the other personality types because it is so internal and mm. such a tool that you can use rather than like an a way to type yourself or, or put, put yourself, yourself into, into a, a box. box. Yeah. Oh my God. I just said yeah. the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why it's resonated with me so much because I, and we can talk about this in a little bit too, cause I want to hear your story first, but I just kind of tend to, I love personality tests cause I'm a dork when it comes to them, but I also tend to kind of remove myself from them because I hate being put into a category and like labeling myself really Mm -hmm. bothers me. And I did that for so much of my life because I felt like that's what I had to do in order for other people to understand me. But I'm like, fuck the boxes. Like I don't (laughs) live in a box. And maybe that's that's a big part of my type, I'm sure. Right. (laughs) But I just, I love that this is, like you said, it's a tool that we can use to better our lives, better understand ourselves or understand those around us um, and how we can operate together. So I love, 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 love that. Yes, I completely agree. So that was kind of the the thing that inspired me when I first started learning about it. it wasn't because it, it was like I can have conversations with people now from a place of deep understanding mm. of who they are and what drives them. And we first heard about my husband and I heard about it together from friends of ours in terms of marriage and kind of dialoguing around marriage. I think our friends had just got into the Enneagram and, and they had seen us dialoguing about our relationship and they I think that they probably typed us in their heads oh yeah sure and then they were like have you heard about the Enneagram (laughs) (laughs) and they're probably like thinking like oh you guys are exhibiting some you know some traits uh so through that we found his number really fast and I got really interested in knowing everything about him I was just so curious Mm -hmm. about him and then I was so curious about everybody else we knew and I had a harder time like I typed as a two, which did not resonate. So did I. That was what I typed as. And I was like, I get some of this. Yeah. (laughs) But not really. It's like, I want to be all the good things that you're saying about twos. But like, I don't resonate with like the darker side of two. Like, I do Mm. not need you to love me. Mm -hmm. And like, some people do. And like, that wasn't my, it's just not my shadow. Sure. Yeah. And so in that I was like, oh, I'm a two. And I tried to live as a two for a while. And I was like, this just doesn't feel right. And, um, at some point or another, I thought I was almost every single number on the Enneagram. Like I really just, and so I just like went in deep uh, trying to understand every single number. Um, and eventually got to seven and I read seven early on mm-hmm. and knew that it was like who I'd been my whole life. Like it resonated so much but it wasn't really how I show up. Like the average levels of a seven is just not how I show up every day. Okay? Mm-hmm. I don't feel very scattered in theory. Yeah. Um, 
Like I don't, when I think of scattered, I'm like, oh, there's papers everywhere. Yeah, I resonate but with it's, that. But it's more like, ooh, where can I put my attention? Like, mm-hmm. like oh, I like five business ideas. I'll just do them all at the same time. Hundred <laughs> percent. I'm the same way. <laughs> like I don't need to prioritize. Like you just, I'll do three launches at once. It won't confuse my audience at all. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, it started with personal exploration in my marriage and then moved into understanding myself and other people. And then as a coach, it's just really hard to coach. Mm. Once you know the Enneagram, you can't do it the same way anymore. Like you just start to have conversations with people and it's like, I can't not tell you about the Enneagram and I can't not tell you how it works. And, um, so that's how I ended up bringing it into my work. Um, first and foremost, was just as a business coach, helping people to be more productive as their type. I love that. Oh my gosh. So for those of you guys who are listening and are like, what are all these numbers? So Sarah Jane and I are actually so crazy enough, the exact same type and also the same wing because you're a wing eight, right? Uh huh. So am I. So I'm a seven wing eight and we can talk about what all that means in a second, but there are, you said nine different types. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So can you just briefly for anyone who has maybe never heard of these types or what that means or what all these numbers are, go over like what each type in a very small nutshell, you know, like is and what that would mean for each person. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, um, so I'll give you guys kind of like the, the cliff notes version. And then definitely if there's a title that resonates with you, go look it up because there's so much more to it than what I'm going to tell you. But, uh, number one, so let's start at one and we'll go to nine. So number one is the reformer or the perfectionist. So they're really driven by being right or wrong or doing good, being good or above reproach. Uh, then there's type two, which is the helper. And they're driven by um, the desire to feel love or be lovable. And they, exhibit that by showing being very service oriented. Mm. Um, type three is the achiever. They're driven by rising to the top of the society or the, the culture that they're surrounding themselves in. There's type four, the individualist, which is driven by um, the desire to be different. And they also just feel different. And therefore they're looking for their a constant pursuit of identity. Mm. And there's type five, which is the investigator. And they are, they kind of, their fear is that they're incapable. So they tend to fill that space to try to feel capable by bringing in knowledge and information to um, make them feel like they can do the things that they're empowered to do the things they want to do in the world. Then type six is the loyalist. So they are the most, um, they're like systems oriented and they're very much likely to look and see what like toward the future of like what could go wrong. Worst Mm -hmm. case scenario. That's the like phrase I was looking for. Mm -hmm. So very worst case scenario. Um, They may not realize that they're doing that, but they're very driven by security and safety and are running away from fear, whether they like feel that in the the front of their brains or not. Some do, mm-hmm. some don't. That's kind of the motivation. Then there's type seven, which is what you and I both are. And we are the enthusiasts and uh, we're driven by the desire to escape pain and emotional, particularly emotional pain to live on the high, bright side of life. So we tend to turn things into like very rosy pictures. Mm-hmm. We can reframe anything into a positive and uh, tend to stay very busy in a way to avoid sitting in our pain. Mm. Then there is type eight, the challenger, which is the 
um, like the natural leader of, of the Enneagram. Like they are the ones to come in, take charge and be very honest. Um, they're driven by not being controlled by other people and therefore can often take control of a situation. Mm-hmm. And then we move into type nine, our final one, which is the peacemaker. And they're driven by the desire to uh, avoid and or absolve conflict so that they can have peace of mind and uh, restful state of being. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So many different things. And it's like, I remember reading this and looking at all the different types and being like, uh, where do I even begin? Like, how do I know? Right. So I guess like, obviously I've, there's, you're probably listening and being like, okay, one or two of these really resonated, or I feel sort of like that one could be me or this one could be me. So like, where would you recommend somebody to start a, I know there are a bunch of quizzes online, but it's like, which one do you really love and really resonates mm-hmm. with you? Is it a book? Is it a test online? Like what, where do you always say, like, this is where you want to start and kind of start your journey? Yeah. So I honestly almost discourage the tests mm. because I think that you can take a test and get mistyped and like both of us experience. Yeah and lose interest. And so what I would more do is look at the titles and listen to the titles that we mentioned, and then go and read the ones that resonated with you and see which one resonates deeply, which one makes you feel known. And because it really is about your relationship to yourself, you know who you are. And whereas like a lot of other typing tests, it's like you take the test, they tell you what you are. The Enneagram is like so internal that only you can really know. So, um, definitely go read. So I would say enneagraminstitute.com, mm-hmm. go read those types. And then if you're looking for a book, a great starter book is The Road Back to You with by Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile. Awesome. Yeah. I don't remember which book I was reading, but I was at a conference in November and I was like, okay, I did this test a while ago. Let me read the type that I had been told, which was a two. Right. And so uh-huh. I was reading through that and I was like, okay, like I love helping others. Obviously, like I am a coach. I, you know, I love serving other people. I'm an actor. Like I love to do all these things, but all of the things that were like the fears and the way that a two showed up in the world just like didn't vibe. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, I'm just going to read through all the types. And so when I got to seven, I was like, O-M-G. <laughs> like I didn't take a test again. I just knew with every fiber of my being that this was what I was. And so I deep dove into like the fears, the things. And there were aspects of sevens that I will say like the clutter thing or the constantly like I didn't really resonate with either. Mm-hmm. But there were so many that I did with. And I was like, this helps me understand why I thrive doing so many things at once and why I like having my hands into multiple different kinds of things and why my energy is like what people are attracted to in my life. Like it's always been people are like, I just love your energy so much. Like I want to be around you. And it's like, yeah, but like, I didn't know why. And you know, and the, (laughs) the avoiding pain thing is something that I have had to learn to do, to not do. Right. Like I've had to really work through feeling my feels Mm-hmm. because it's so doesn't come naturally to me at all. So that was just like really all all of learning the learning process and reading. I feel like that's you're right. It's the best thing you can possibly do because you know yourself better than anyone else on this planet. Mm-hmm. And if you genuinely like read through them and go like okay, how am I actually? How do I show up when I'm having a really great day versus when I'm having a really rough day? Um and mm-hmm. I love 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 that. 
Yeah. I, and I think that the reading is part of the process. Like I think a lot of people with the Enneagram, especially with it, like growing so fast right now, I think a lot of people want us to just say, this is what you are. And here's what you need to know about that. And I don't think that's the beauty. The beauty is in the research and the realizing, um, and like really diving deep into yourself. And I think a lot of people and a lot of types on the Enneagram don't feel that permission mm. to study themselves. Um, they, we, you know, we want someone else to say, this is what you are, mm. but instead I think there's so much beauty in dedicating time and energy into knowing who you are and to really seeking understanding. Yeah. I love that. So how do you think that using the Enneagram can be like a powerful tool tool for that because I know that it talks about some fears and stuff but I, I know you are like way more well-versed in all this stuff so like when you're approaching learning about yourself in this way and you're like okay I resonate with this number where do you start then like how do you get to know yourself via the number and and how do you use it as a tool to help you like you said have positive positive coping mechanisms or um, understand how best you need to show up in your day-to-day life that kind of stuff yeah so i think the first thing is just i think all of our like self-love self-compassion and um relationship to self i think starts with the willingness to look at ourselves honestly and a a seeking of understanding. So the Enneagram really does that. It forces us to look at like, what are the things that are uncomfortable here? What are the things I'm not always super proud of? And then how can I pair that with some things that are amazing about me Mm -hmm. and recognize that these are one and the same. And without this, I wouldn't have the good. And without the good, I wouldn't be able to, like without the bad, then the good doesn't exist in the same way inside of me. And I need both of them. And they're, it's like, they're not even separate things. It's like, they're the same thing. They're one and the same. And, and so being able to understand that is great and being able to look at it while also holding understanding and being willing to say here, you know, you like tending to ourselves and being able to say, look, this is what you do. And so this is what's going to show up for you. And that's okay. And how can we make your relationship and I, your like experience in the world easier mm-hmm. because we understand ourselves enough to make like absolve like things that could be getting in the way of us living the life that we want to be living and being who we want to be in the world. Yeah. I think what you said about like good and bad, I, I've been trying and I'm not to, not to like dis, dis say or to say that, but like, I, I've been trying really hard to like remove the word bad from my life because I feel like so often we have these, like, like you said earlier, the word sh- shadow really resonated with mm-hmm. me. And it's like, it's just a part of who we are and it's how we show up and it's not necessarily viewed by society as like a positive thing. But I, I feel like I've been with this test specifically, I've seen so many people close to me take it and immediately go, oh my God, that's awful. I can't believe that's me, right? (laughs) And it's like they're looking at them and they're like, oh my God, I so do that. And like they immediately feel like it's like a deprecation thing and they don't see Mm -hmm. the good. And of course, depending on their types, they tend to be more towards that. And I'm like, I see the good in everything because I'm a seven. (laughs) But you know, it's like I have like my girlfriend is a six and she's like, this is fucking terrible. And like talking (laughs) about that and she's like, there's no good parts. And of course, a six would say that, right? But it's just so interesting and fascinating, and I think it can be really hard when you're doing that inner work, whether you're doing it through the Enneagram or anything else, and you're getting to know yourself for the first time 
it's really <laughs> challenging to look yourself in the eye and go, oh, I struggle with this part of this. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like, how, how can we use learning about that for good? Does that make sense? Like to, to help us, us shine and help us grow and evolve and, and not look at it as this like negative thing, but look at it mm-hmm. as a way to love ourselves more. Yeah. And I think my mission in life and my mission in work is to um, truly help people to stop disciplining themselves Mm. and stop punishing themselves for being who they are. I think so often we engage with ourselves as a project that needs to be fixed and something that needs to be like sliced apart and restructured and um, constantly improved upon. And instead, I think we're all just great. Mm. You know, we're all doing great as we are. And that instead of seeking out opportunities to discipline ourselves, I think it's so much more beneficial to seek out opportunities to meet ourselves with care. And sometimes meeting ourselves with care might mean changing habits that make us feel more nourished. Mm -hmm. So, you know, helping ourselves to build things or to eliminate um, ego behaviors or things that shield us from being our truest selves. But I think it's all in pursuit of how can we be the most honest version of ourselves? And then how can we, instead of feeling like it needs to be changed and shifted and broken apart and like moved around, Mm -hmm. how can we look at it as just great as it is? Mm -hmm. And I think that for the numbers who have the hard time looking at themselves honestly and being willing to say, this is my stuff. This is what I've got going on. And I'm still okay. Mm. I truly believe that that is in pairing all of those negative qualities that you see your negative, you know, in quotations with a positive and being able to say, okay, yes. Um, as a type six, I am worst case scenario, but you know what that means that I'm really great at preventing future problems. Mm. I am extremely, Um, I need, I need to look outside of myself for approval, but you know what else that means? I'm a really loyal and devoted friend Mm -hmm. and being able to look at those as one and the same as a type seven, being willing to say, I have a hard time sitting with my pain, but you know what that leads to is the ability to turn someone else's day around when they're having a bad one. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think seeing like, Oh, this is this and like this bad thing is this good thing. They're one and the same thing, not, oh, I have all this stuff that I, I need to change about me because if you change all of that, then where does all of that good go? I love that. I think that's so poignant. And what you were just saying, it made me really think about like before I found out that I was a seven, I felt as a business owner, I, because I do all of these things, like I identify as like a multi-passionate entrepreneur. Like I'm an actor, Mm -hmm. I'm a podcast host. I do like health and fitness coaching. I, you know, do all of these things. I mentor women, you know, it's like all these things that I do. And for the longest time in business, especially you're told that you have to do one thing and one thing really Mm -hmm. well in order to be successful. And Mm -hmm. I pushed against that. I was so resistant because I was like, but that doesn't light me up. Like that does not Mm -hmm. resonate. And reading about being a seven in November, I was like, okay, (laughs) like I am meant to do all the things and do it with compassion and love for myself and make sure I'm pouring into myself in a way that I'm not burning Mm -hmm. out. But I, I, I know I'm meant to do this. Like it is in Mm -hmm. my nature 
to have my hand in multiple different things because that's how I thrive and that's how I'm supposed to show up in the world and that's not a bad thing and I can do it differently. And it just gave me like this permission slip to be myself, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which I think was so powerful. Yeah. And I think, and I think for another seven, it might feel like growth to simplify. Mm. Um, but I think you know, like it's, it's not about changing yourself and it's not about like never changing it's, and it's about being willing to take ownership of your own growth path and being okay with giving yourself full permission to take be the leader in that, to be Mm -hmm. driving your ship and to say is, you know, for as long as this feels like it is serving me, as long as it feels like it is serving me to be a multi-passionate entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. I will continue to do that. The moment it stops feeling like it is serving me, then I'm in control of that and I get to choose. Mm -hmm. But instead, what we often do is we're told we have all these voices coming in from all sides, telling us how we're supposed to be, what the ideal is, what success is, what success is not. And these are all different people with completely different life experiences, completely different Enneagram types and numbers telling us all there's one right way. And, and I think what the Enneagram allows is for us to say, you are, you know, there's one, there's like nine different base types. And then, then there's all these wings Wings, and then there's subtypes. (laughs) What works for like one seven isn't even going to work for like multiple other sevens. And being willing to, it really is about self-responsibility and Mm. like taking ownership of your own process. Mm. Okay. I want to pivot for a second because at the beginning of this, you talked about how this kind of started with you and your husband and how Mm -hmm. this was like a tool to get to know him better. And you were like, oh, this is so exciting. And I'm the same way. Like I love getting to know the people in my life. And as soon as I took the test, I like forced my husband to do the same. (laughs) Um, And it was really, I mean, because we've been together for eight years now. And there were so many things I like we know about each other and like so deep dive, but it's so cool how you can continue to get to know each other when you're looking at a different lens. So I guess my question is, and I would love to talk about the specifics of us too in a little bit, but my question is when it comes to getting to know people in your life, whether they're your partner or friend or employees, I feel like this would be such an amazing tool to know how to serve those people that you're like, you know, leading from the front as, you know, how do you incorporate that in your own life? And how would you say, okay, if you're finding out about this for yourself, like how would you present that to somebody in your life and how could you use it as a tool to, you know, work together and better learn how to cohabitate better together Mm -hmm. as humans, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think the first thing is, you know, I think in anything, if we're seeking understanding, we're in the right spot. I think when we stop seeking understanding is when we stop finding grace and compassion and, um, connection is that's where connection ends, right. Is the loss of the desire for understanding. So when it comes to people in our lives, I think the seeking to understand is a really the, I mean, that's the most important thing that we can do because once we understand it's hard, it's harder to create disconnection Mm -hmm. and, or, you know, when it's an appropriate time to create a disconnection, Mm -hmm. um, for self-preservation purposes, whatever that is for you. But, um, 
so that is my first thing, like using it as a tool for understanding and allowing that to naturally impact the way you engage with one another. And then the other side of that, when you want to engage someone else in this process, I think it's more about letting them have their timing, presenting it, um, not being aggressively typey with them, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, letting them have their process, asking them good questions, um, presenting the joy that you're experiencing in the process of getting to know yourself and your desire to know them. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when we have someone who maybe isn't as interested in going down this journey with us, we forget to, um, to share the why, or mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's like, I'm not just interested in this thing. It's like, I'm interested in you yeah, and I want to love you and I want to know you better. And this will help me to do that. But a lot of times it's like, Oh, I have this silly little hobby would you check it out? And it's like, no, I love you as a person. Mm-hmm. And then this will help me to love you better. That makes me think so much about personality tests in general. And what I was kind of mentioning earlier before was, I feel like, and I talked about this with my therapist before, how so many people latch onto personality tests as like this identity, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, because I am, and everything is through the lens of it, because I am, you know, maybe for an Enneagram, because I'm type seven or in Myers-Briggs, I'm an ENFJ. Because I am an ENFJ, I respond to this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, 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 because I am Amanda, mm-hmm. I am this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, you don't always have this identity attached to that. And I love that. It's about, I love what you said, just is about, fostering a a deeper understanding and giving people the space to step into that instead of just immediately going, well, because you're a type blah, you're going to, you know, this is why you're reacting this way and almost using it as like a, like a dagger almost, you know, like a tool. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) So yeah, I think, I think when we're, when we're talking about understanding too, I think a lot of times we use these things and we use these tools because we want to We want to simplify people so that we can feel like we understand them. So we want to, we want to put people in a box, right? It's like a natural tendency for a lot of people to want to say, oh, I fully, I'm going to like give you these five descriptors so that I can fully understand you. And I don't have to feel unsafe here. I don't have to question anymore. I don't have to Mm. put in the additional work work to actually see you in complexity. When in reality, like, what I hope the Enneagram would do for you is, is like stir some more curiosity around the people in your life and make Mm -hmm. you more interested in knowing them into the deeper levels and really experiencing them in all of the ranges of their complexity. I love that. I love that. Okay. I have a bunch of listener like questions. My audience is like obsessed with the Enneagram and they were like, okay, here are all the questions. So I have a bunch. Um, but I want to start with mine because I'm selfish. (laughs) Because I really, I'm so curious. So when I when I had um, my husband take the test, he was a three, and um, I'm a seven. And so I'm curious. Like, obviously, you've done a lot of work with your own husband. I think you said you told me that he's a four, right? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. he's a four. So like, how how would like a, what are the like the pros? I guess maybe here's the, the good and bad, right? Like how how does this work? How do sevens and threes work together really really well? And how do they tend to like struggle and need work, I guess. Yeah. So I think the benefit of threes and sevens is that you guys both know the value of the work that you're doing in the world outside of your relationship. Mm -hmm. Like you are going to support 
support each other and doing the things you want to do in your life and achieving your dreams. And that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Sevens and threes also have this magical ability to kind of become work robots and like yep. turn off their humanness and just do the things they want to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's cool because when you don't, there's a lot less communication that needs to happen around work life yeah. conversations. Now the where a three and a seven are going to, it's your decision whether this is a a problem for you in your relationship or not. But a tendency that could arise is that you can become so work oriented and like so achievement oriented that you forget to like stop, slow down and like look around you Mm. and like be present with like the everyday moments. If you're not each participating in your own growth journey, Mm -hmm. um, And I think with any compatibility, I think it really is about the individual. So like what relationship do you have to yourself versus like, are these two types going to make it? I think a lot of times we worry like, oh, we're going to like, are we, are these two types ever going to do it? Are we compatible? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And I think it is like, you know, you're clearly a seven who's like put in a lot of work and Mm -hmm. that is a completely different experience than like someone who has like never thought about, you know, self-growth before and that's a different relationship. So, um, yeah, but I think like what you're asking mostly is you guys are going to be really great at supporting one another in your dreams. And Mm -hmm. then, um, just be mindful of it's probably of like being more robot than human with each other and like having to remember to like touch in with like being fully present as a married couple. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it's so real. I mean, I that resonates so hard because I think it was two years ago we instated like weekly date nights because mm-hmm. we are so, so driven. And it's it's from a place of service, but also like we just love doing what we do and we love supporting each other's dreams. And like that's how mm-hmm. it always has been. But there was a period of time a couple years ago where we were like, we're not seeing each other. <laughs> like, hey, like we we're like two just passing in the night. And, um, you know, you get to a point where you're like, OK, we're starting to feel like roommates. Like that's not what this should be. So let's mm-hmm. take a pause and let's find a way to be able to really foster connection, especially because quality time is my love language. Right. So it's like mm-hmm. I need that connection and and one-on-one like really intimate conversation in order to feel really like in order to feel loved. And so weekly date nights has, have been a staple in our household and they have been amazeballs. So if you're uh, oh, seven it. or three, make sure to do that too <laughs> for yourself. I love that. Okay. Some other questions. This one's like a really great question. I love this one. So what is a way that we can tweak daily rituals for ourselves based on our type? This is coming from a type two. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like all the types, like what are some really amazing rituals we could add in that would help support us? Yeah. So I would say when it comes to any like daily ritual that you want to add in, I want, I would start with listening to yourself and being really honest with yourself about what you're craving. So, um, I think a lot of times we're trying to, we're looking around and we're looking at what other people's daily rituals are Mm -hmm. and we're trying to add those into our lives and it kind of feels bad and we don't stick to them long-term because they don't feel good. That makes us feel like failures and, Mm -hmm. um, So what I would say more so is really just listen to what you're craving. And I like to ask myself, what will make me feel bright today? Um, You might have another language, another way of phrasing that for yourself, but listen um, and then just give yourself what you want. I don't think it has to be so um, strict, you know, so like an experiment and play with it. Okay, cool. Um, 
so this is coming from a one. So she said, how do I take advantage of being a one without letting it take over my life and leading to burnout? Mm, that's good. Okay. So once I would say, um, it's amazing what you can do in a day. It's amazing what you can accomplish. And I think that what you really need to be doing is implementing awareness into your, your, your everyday. So how can you check in with yourself in the beginning of the day? How can you check in with yourself at the end of the day, create some buffers so that you have a beginning of your day and you have an end of your day and you're creating a little bit of um, space that is dedicated to that heart check-in so that you can really see burnout on the horizon Mm -hmm. instead of like accidentally waking up one day already at your wits end. Like Mm -hmm. how can you, like how can you start to look over the horizon and say, okay, I see you coming and I'm going to listen to my heart, my mind, my body, and my soul every single day. And just touch in and see what they need and then give them that. I love that. I love that. Okay. This one's coming from a four. And of course, this is a question a four would ask. How do, <laughs> how do I navigate life? Question mark. Just how do I do it? And then lol, like laugh out loud was afterwards. And I was like, of course you would. This is like my, one of my best friends asking this question. Um, yeah. I love that. So we'll start um, there. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to answer this one. I'm going <laughs> to, like, you know what? Um, so for fours, thinking about navigating life, I love it so much. Okay. I I would never give this advice. I wouldn't give this advice to most other types, but fours and twos, I think can often use this advice. Sometimes your feelings don't need to be addressed in the moment. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's okay to let them exist without acting upon them without expressing them and really allowing yourself to create a little bit of structure. And I, and when I say structure, I mean like the tiniest amount to begin with, just say, okay, I'm going to wake up at the same time every single day and do one thing consistently and that way, because you really thrive, like fours really thrive when they have a little bit of structure in which they can float around inside of. So How can you create a little bit of consistency for yourself on a day-to-day basis? And then don't let your feelings drive the ship. Allow your feelings are valid and let yourself have them, but you're going to have to, they can't drive you. They can't be the thing moving you around. Let your head move you around. Mm, So good. Such good advice. I have so many fours in my life. It's crazy. Fours and twos. (laughs) So many fours. I'm like, I love it. Um, Okay. Also from a four. And this is from a business owner. Okay. So (laughs) this is more specific to like business stuff. So feel free to answer however you feel inclined. But she she asked, how do you market to your audience types when you're a four? (laughs) I was like, I don't know. (laughs) How do you market to your audience types as a four? So I, my first thought when I heard that question was, um, I think one really cool way to use the Enneagram in marketing is to identify your ideal client with an Enneagram type or multiple Enneagram types, like saying, okay, I think that my, I'm really drawn to this number who struggles with this thing. And how can I, um, what is like the more, and then study that number in depth so that you know them inside and out and you can speak their language back to them. That's such a good idea. I love that. Yeah. And then as a (laughs) four, um, 
it is going to have to be. So fours are really, really amazing. And I think harnessing this skill, they're amazing at analyzing their experience, analyzing themselves, and then sharing that in a way that feels relatable to the masses. Mm. So like your story of yourself is therefore interesting to everyone. They can, they can see themselves in your story. So mm. that's probably going to be a lot of your marketing is going to be sharing what your process has been, what you're working through, what you're studying. I love that. And that I know this person very well. And that is so how she markets. So that makes love a it. lot of sense. So, okay. <laughs> can I touch base on that question for a second? So like, I know you are obviously a businesswoman. So do you have an Enneagram type that you tend to speak to most? I'm so curious. Yeah. I think that I'm in a weird season of business right now because I have yeah. <laughs> so much transition happening, yeah. but in, so Brave Collective is my membership community. Um, it's really well suited to sevens and ones and nines. Mm-hmm. Um, I have people of like all numbers in there, um, but it's mostly for the types who, um, it, it's mostly for people who want to like feel engaged and inspired and excited about life. So sevens are in it because they're excited. Yeah, they just want to be in there doing the fun stuff with yeah. everybody else. <laughs> Ones need a lot more, like, are there because they need grace and permission. Mm. And nines are there because they need a little bit of structure and decisiveness and um, help participating in the process. That's so interesting. So when you were starting Brave Collective and, like, figuring out and working with the Enneagram with that, like, did you ask your people, like, what their types were? Like, how did you get clear on, A, who you were attracting and then – how you want, I'm, as a business owner, I find this so fascinating. So like, and then how you wanted to attract, you know, if they were the people you actually wanted to attract and how you like worked with that. Yeah. So, so with Brave Collective, it was a weird process. It was a very intuitive process. It wasn't like I created a really strong, like, okay, here's my avatar. It's like, yeah. I went to the desert and I literally heard a someone, like a, a voice say, brave collective to me. And I like pulled over and I was like, I'm going to do a brave collective and told the internet and then cried. (laughs) Literally. I've had that happen to me three times in the past year. So I feel you sister. (laughs) Like I didn't really like come up with like my ideal client, but, um, but I am. So then I'm in James Wedmore's, um, business by design. And in it, he talks about his webinar process. He, he kind of took me through, um, getting to the, what my webinar would be. So my second launch of the Brave Collective, I did an Enneagram webinar Mm -hmm. and that webinar was leading to a workshop that's inside of Brave Collective, which is Enneagram and work. That webinar is what spurred me to create Enneagram and coffee Mm -hmm. because I had made all of that. And then, um, Tyler, one of my best friends was like, you're talking so much about Enneagram. You should just start an Enneagram account already. And I said, I will. Fine. I'm going <laughs> to so do it. And then I'm you blew it. up. It's insane. It like in days. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I'm like yeah. so blown away by, I mean, clearly everyone and their mother wants to know more about the Enneagram and also mm-hmm. the content. You guys follow her on Enneagram and coffee. If you're not already following her, I'm sure you are if you're obsessed, but literally like everything you post is I'm like sending them to all of my friends who are like specific types. I'm like, this is you, this is you hundred percent. Like I'm obsessed with this. It's just so fun. And I love that you also do it in a playful way. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, we're not going to take this too seriously. We're going to have fun with this. And we're also going to talk about things that are hard. And you know, mm-hmm. I just love it. I think you've done such a great job with that platform for real. 
Thank you. Thanks. I think it's hard work. Like it's um, doing the Enneagram and you know, like going through that process. It is, um, it is deep work. And so if I can make that more palatable for people mm. um, as a gateway to going into the deeper levels. And I, and I think that's the hope is that Instagram is a good place to get introduced and then to you know, share. And then from there to be able to go into like workshops and podcasts where we can go deeper and really talk about like, what does this mean though? Um, I think, yeah, if I can palletize it for people, great. You are. It's amazing. It is now. (laughs) You made it. You created it. I'm into it. Okay. One more question from the audience. And this is a, this is an interesting question. Cause I'm not sure how I feel. I, I don't really believe that gen, I believe gender is a so, social construct. So <laughs> take this as you will, but let's say for, this is the question, how gender affects the way your type manifests. So this is coming from a female identified eight, but let's just say the way you identify in your gender. Mm-hmm. How does that impact the way your type tends to manifest? And this is a person I know is obsessed with the Enneagram and has been for like 10 years. So she knows her shit when it comes <laughs> to the Enneagram. So. <laughs> yeah, that's um, so I also, I'm, so I'm less inclined to say that like female male um, do show up differently and more inclined to say uh, that people show up differently. Mm. And so I think, yeah, I'm a, I'm a lot less inclined to say that our gender is going to impact our number because I people are so varied and people are so complex that mm-hmm. I don't uh, I wouldn't say like oh a female eight is going to be dramatically different than a male eight, but I will say that a female a perceived female yeah um, is going to be treated differently based upon mm-hmm. society's norms, right? Like it's. So as a blunt, honest eight, um, who is perceived as female in our society, you are a lot less socially accepted than an eight. You might like, and in that way, we may twist and bend and shift ourselves in order to be more palatable to other people. That's so Um, interesting. But I think you, in your essence, if we strip all of that away, I don't think it's that simple. I don't think it's as simple as like a man and a female are going to be different. I mm-hmm. think it's more society. If we let, you know, we, we tend to make ourselves malleable so that society is comfortable with us. That's so interesting. So do you feel, because, so I, eights are the, are they the challenger? Is that mm-hmm, okay? Mm-hmm. So they, would you say that most female identified eights might be perceived by society as brash or bossy or too much quote like these are all things that I I being a wing eight like it's mm-hmm. definitely things that I've also experienced before like <laughs> I used to equate being bossy as this really negative thing and then I was like too loud and too in people's faces and too blunt mm-hmm. um is maybe that's more of what she's asking right it's like okay how how does that, how does my type tend to impact like the lens in which I'm perceived um, by others? Do you feel like that would be kind of along the lines of an eight? I'm, I'm obviously just speculating here, but that's. (laughs) No, I I think that's so true. And I think a lot of times when, so with eights, they are really quick to take charge. They're really quick to delegate. Um, They know who is good at certain things and who's not going to be Mm -hmm. well-suited. They are, honest to like brutal degree sometimes. Um, and 
And therefore, like, they're going to walk into a situation, they're going to command attention, and they're going to, like, typically put out, like, this is my agenda, this is what I would like to see done, Mm -hmm. or even just start telling people, hey, go do that, go do this, handle this. Mm -hmm. And if a male does that, we respect him. If a female does that, we call her a ball buster. Right. Yeah. And, um, and that is where I think a lot of women in society or a lot of female perceived people, we learn to soften so that we are still respected. Mm. Mm. I like so resonate with that on so many levels and I have completely released that from my own life, Mm -hmm. but it's taken a lot of work. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think the perception flip is really fascinating to think about. And I, yeah, I like want to do so much more thinking about that with all the other types too. Ah, this, I could get like nerd out with you about this (laughs) for freaking ever. I just find it so, so interesting. And like, okay. So one last question, and this is my own. I feel like, I feel like a lot of people, especially in in relationships, when you're in a partnership with somebody, whether it's friendship or, you know, a spouse, anything, right? It's like you're looking at it and you're seeing I'm this type, you're this type, right? And we can get so wrapped up in like sometimes when you look at like the way that they on the internet, what they tell you, like how they interact, it's like negative more so than it is positive. So for somebody who's maybe taking this test for the first time or has taken it um, or read it, read about it and resonates with this and they know that their partner resonates with this and they're like, wait, we don't have a lot of things that really seem outwardly according to all of this to work together. Like what would you say to someone like that? And, and how would you like, yeah, how would you give them space to navigate that within their own life? So, um, are you asking like, how do people, like if there's a a couple who doesn't seem compatible, are you talking about like the individual numbers who, yeah. Like if the cup, if the couple has two numbers and they're like, we on paper apparently are not supposed to be together. Like this is telling (laughs) us that we are not compatible. Like, what would you say to that? Yeah. I, again, I I think that is about your relationship to yourself. Like, I think if, each individual is working on themselves. It's really hard to mess up a relationship. Like if you're willing and able to look inward and focus and be humble and understand mm-hmm. the other person, I don't think that there's any non-compatible type if there are two people are doing the work. Yeah. So um, if you read a description and you hear, you say like, oh, this sounds terrible. It's not that that is what your relationship will be, but it is what you could go to if both of you can kind of quit trying. Yeah. And are the quote unquote unhealthy. Yeah. And you just release, you know, I think in a relationship we, you know, my partner and I, my husband, I'm always a partner. Um, My husband and I show up every single day and Mm -hmm. we commit, you know, like we literally show up every day and we're like, okay, I'm going to do this again. And it's work. Fully participate every day. And if we were to go on autopilot and when we do go on autopilot, our natural tendencies show up, which have certain consequences. And that's the same for everybody. And like some people, those consequences could look like like a nine and a two, those consequences might be more likely to just be very quiet and Mm -hmm. kind of numb out for a season and forget to ask for what you need. Yeah. For 
um, you know, an eight and a four, an eight and a seven, it might be more explosive, um, you know, to be more like might you might become like demanding of your own needs mm -hmm. and it just depends, you know, everybody's autopilot is different, but I think that it's just saying, I'm going to wake up every day and commit to not autopilot with you. I love that. That's like a tweetable. If there ever was one. <laughs> <laughs> I am so obsessed and I could not agree more. I feel the exact same way. And I think so often people are looking for like the thing to fix things or the thing to understand better. And it's just about doing the work and getting yeah. curious about one another. Right. And this is, as you said, not the be all end all. It is a tool. And if mm -hmm. we can use it in that way and use it to, to help us gain knowledge and curate, get curious about ourselves and get to know us, ourselves better. It's amazeballs. Yeah. Um, Okay. I always do this at my, at the end, cause I want to make sure that we wrap up, but I do some fun, fast questions. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Sit. Current favorite read. I'm really into mystery novels right now. So Jillian Flynn novels. <gasps> yes. Oh, so many good ones. Are you reading one in particular? Um, I just finished it's like all my books, Sharp Objects. Yeah. I was going to ask. Yeah. They have an HBO thing on that too. If you haven't. Yeah. Seen I haven't oh. watched it. So good. Okay. So this is for you personally, but what's a daily ritual that you can't live without? Mm. Um, I have to write every day, at least three pages. Mm. Like yeah. journaling and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It. I have done that since I was nine years old every day. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. I can't Holy function if I don't. Shit. That's amazing. I'm so impressed. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a commitment. Since you were nine, that's really impressive. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. If you could do anything this year, like anything on the whole freaking planet, what would it be? Mm, I would like to make a million dollars. Fuck yeah. That was my first, that was like my impulsive answer. I love impulsive answers, but yeah. of course I do. Cause I'm a seven. I like to make a million dollars. <laughs> but if, under that, I would say, I would like to fly first class this year. It's a big one. I haven't ever done that. I've never done that either. Why? I would like to. I'm year. like economy, like all the way. <laughs> I'm like yeah, chilling it, chilling. I have the longest legs too. I'm 5'10 and I have the longest <laughs> legs. So like most airplanes, my knees are like up against first class would be amazing. Yeah. Okay. And last one, most important one. What does it mean to you to live a fuck yes life? Mm, I think for me to live a fuck yes life, it is about, honestly, it's for me right now, I would say it's full permission to want what I want, to be who I am, and to ask for what I need. And, and when I say ask for what I mean, I mean um, ask for it in the sense of like, it's okay if you can't give that to me. Mm. Um, I will give it to myself if I need to and whatever that means, you know, and just be willing to, to not question my desires. Mm. So freaking good. Okay. You're amazing. If you guys are not following Sarah Jane on all the platforms, you have to. Enneagram and Coffee is her big Enneagram one, but also you're at Sarah Jane Casey, right? On Instagram. Uh, Where mm -hmm. else can they connect with you online? Um, those are the two best places. And then I have sarahjanecase.com and enneagramandcoffee.com too. Yeah. And two podcasts, Brave Radio and Enneagram and Coffee podcast. She does all the things like me. All of it. <laughs> and I love it. Um, so good. Yeah. And definitely check out the Brave Collective too, you guys, because it's an amazing, amazing thing. And all the work you're doing in the world is so freaking incredible. So thank you for being you. Thank you for sharing your, your light and all things Enneagram. And I so appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. 